Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be in verse number 21 to begin with this morning. chapter 2, verse 21, and when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Pray with me. Father, we thank you again now that we can open your word. And I pray, Father, for the filling of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, for no distraction. I pray today, Lord, that our hearts and our minds would be knit together around your word and that you would be our teacher. I pray for the mothers here today, that this would be encouraging to them. And I pray for all of us that it would be thought-provoking and it would help us in our service for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't think I've said it so far, at least not from the pulpit, but Happy Mother's Day, ladies. Happy Mother's Day. I pray God's richest blessing on every single lady that is here today, whether you're a mother, whether you may be a mother, or whether you just happen to have a mother. I pray that you have a happy Mother's Day. I hope that you know that you're beloved by God and by your brothers and sisters here at Friendship Bible Church. It's traditional on Mother's Day to preach some message related to motherhood or womanhood. Uh, It's always a bit of a stress for me. I don't like preaching to women. I don't know why that is. They scare me to death. I don't like preaching to women. But it's traditional. Uh, And So today we're going to look at this text and we're going to look at it from that particular point of view. Because this particular passage does concern Mary, the mother of our Savior. In this text we're introduced to a fellow by the name of Simeon. Simeon was, we believe, an elderly gentleman. An elderly gentleman who just happened to be in the temple when Joseph and Mary brought the infant Jesus there. He happened to be there because the Holy Spirit had prompted him to be there. And clapping his eyes on Jesus the Savior, Simeon had some very interesting things to say. First of all, he had some things to say about Jesus himself, but then he also had some things very interesting to say about Mary. And it's that last part that we're going to concentrate on this morning. There's some some great stuff in his words about Jesus there. Uh, and his prophecy that he uttered there about him. But we'll save that for another time. I want us this morning to just think about the truths that he taught us about Mary. 
Now, before we do that today, we have to remind ourselves of some very vital truths about this woman, Mary. And the very first vital truth that we need to remind ourselves about is this. Mary was a woman just like any other woman. She was a man, a woman just like any. Anytime we approach the subject of Mary, there are misconceptions that need to be cleared up. There is mistaken uh, teaching that needs to be corrected. Although Mary was chosen by God and had a very unique role in history, she was a woman just like everyone here in this room today. Uh, no different. She was not, for example, born without sin, as some people teach. Um, the Bible does say that she was a virgin, and we accept that. But there is a teaching called the Immaculate Conception, which goes far beyond that, which we do not accept. Many people who hear that term, Immaculate Conception, believe that what's being taught is the virgin birth. They believe it's the same thing that we teach. But that is not the case. The Immaculate Conception is completely different. Let me read you a direct quote from a source that I have on it. It says this, quote, The Immaculate Conception refers to the condition that the Blessed Virgin Mary was free from original sin from the very moment of her conception in the womb of her mother. The Immaculate Conception, that belief says that Mary had no sin. Mary was sinlessly perfect. And of course we know that is not true. It's not biblical. It's heretical. As a matter of fact, we do not accept that. Matter of fact, if that was the case, if Mary was without sin, then suddenly our Bible is filled with errors. And I prefer to believe the Bible. Suddenly we have verses like all have sinned and come show the glory of God, which must not be true. Suddenly we have things like there is none righteous, no not one, which must not be true. And so we have to accept, first of all, that she was not born without sin. She was just a woman, like anybody else. She needed a Savior, just like you and I need a Savior. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Mary needed to be saved, just like you and I did. I love the way... Uh, Mark, 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 what was his name? Mark Lowry, was that his name? I forgot his name. I'm having lots of senior moments up here this morning. Mark Lowry in his wonderful song, Mary Did You Know, I love the way he puts it. He's got a, a line in there that says, Mary Did You Know that the child that you delivered would soon deliver you. She needed that. She needed to be saved. And she is not somebody to be prayed to. She is not somebody to be prayed to. Prayer is only to God. When the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he didn't turn to his mother. He said, Our Father, which art in heaven. Prayers to God. The Bible teaches that there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, not Mary. And so we don't pray to Mary. And there's other things we can talk about, but just some misconceptions there that I think anytime you start talking about Mary, you need to make sure that you level that playing field. You know, one of these days, we're going to get to heaven and we're going to meet this wonderful woman. I don't know about you, but I look forward to meeting Mary. We're going to spend all kinds of time talking with her. We're going to find out some things. We're going to, for example, be able to walk up to her and say, now tell me, what was Jesus really like as a teenager? Wouldn't that be good to know? Although we know he was a very good teenager. But all those kinds of things we're going to do. And we're going to spend time talking with her and we're going to rejoice together with her. But I'll tell you one thing we're not going to do. We're not going to fall down and worship her. We're not going to do that. Because she's going to be too busy already fallen out of worship and the only one who's worthy of worship, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll be right there beside her. So this want to level the playing field there a little bit. And now, let's turn to our text and think about some of the things that Simeon said to Mary here. Some of the things that we learned. Verse number 35 is where I want us to spend our time this morning. Verse number 35, Simeon said to her, Yea, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. 
that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. A sword will pierce through your own soul. Mary, you're going to experience pain. Mary, you're going to experience pain. And the fact is, Mary did experience pain as a mother. That's an amazing phrase, is it not? A sword will pierce through your own soul. I cannot imagine that we could come up with better language to describe what she was going to go through. It's probably a phrase that many mothers can relate to and could say, yes, I know what that means, but perhaps no other mother has experienced it quite like Mary did. Heart-wrenching, soul-piercing pain as a mother. It's interesting, isn't it, that that particular phrase was only directed at her. Did you notice it wasn't directed at Joseph? He was sad. He didn't say anything to Joseph about this particular thing. He did, uh, in verse number 33, we see that they were both there. In verse number 34, Simeon included him in the blessing, but that particular prophecy that a sword will pierce through your own soul, only for Mary. Only for Mary. Why in the world would he just ignore Joseph who's standing there and not mention that to him? A couple of reasons come to mind. One is probably the most likely reason uh, Joseph was not going to live to see it. He wasn't going to live to see it. The evidence suggests that Joseph was not alive when Jesus reached his, the time of his earthly ministry. Jesus' words to, to John on the cross would be very difficult for us to understand. When he looked down at John at the foot of the cross and said, uh, Behold your mother, behold your son. When he uh, entrusted Mary to the care of John. That would be very difficult to understand if Joseph was still alive. Joseph was gone at that time, we believe. There's no mention of Joseph in the biblical narrative beyond, beyond Jesus' childhood years. And so, obviously, the most probable reason he did not include him was that Joseph wouldn't be there uh, to experience that sword piercing through the soul. I think there's another reason. I think another reason is that women, women simply feel things deeper. I think women understand a little bit more what it means for a sword to pierce through your very soul. I don't know if that's totally true, but I think it is. I think women laugh harder than men. I've been in rooms where my wife is with a bunch of women, and she just likes they just like to sit around and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. Guys, do you like to do that? Do you guys like to do that? That's something women like to do. Paul. Now, why does that not surprise me, Paul? <laughs> it is primarily not something that I like to do. I can laugh for a few minutes, and then my face starts to hurt. But women just seem to laugh harder. They cry harder. They feel deeper. We men don't get that kind of stuff. My mother said to me one time, years and years and years ago, I was mourning, I was mourning the loss of a high school sweetheart. I, I remember who this person was. I just remember what my mom said to me at the time. And here I was all upset. And she said to me, trying to explain something, she said, men think, women feel. And she, I, know, I know she did not mean that women don't think. She just meant that women are more of an emotional person than men. It's true, isn't it? We guys are unfeeling brutes most of the time. We don't get it like women do. So think about that descriptive, that heart-wrenching phrase, a sword will pierce through your very soul, and how it describes something that women can understand far better than we ever could. There are some lessons there for us as men, I think. Some lessons for us as husbands. Let's not be the ones who cause the sword to pierce through her heart or pierce through her soul. 
We forget about that. You know the Bible uniquely commands men to love their wives. Did you know that? It doesn't command women to do that. It commands doesn't command women to love their husbands. It commands men to love their wives. Why do we have to have that command? Because it doesn't come as naturally to us. We've got to work at it a little bit more. And, 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 and we don't feel like they do. And so there's a lesson there. Let's not be the one. There's also a lesson for the children and the teenagers and those others in the family. Don't let the devil use you to pierce her soul. Do you know Jesus never talked back to Mary? you believe that? Kids, how many of you believe Jesus never talked back to Mary? How many of you believe that Jesus never rolled his eyes at his mom? He didn't. Never. You can, you can ask him when we get there. You can ask her when we get there. But I don't think he ever did. Never disobeyed. Never did things she would have disapproved of behind her back. Never did anything that would have hurt her in any way. You say, what's the evidence of that, Richard? Well, I think there is some evidence of it in the Bible. Go down just a few more verses. Go down to, uh, let's see where we are. Verse number 48 in Luke chapter 2. There. Look at verse number 48. You remember what's happened here? He's 12 years old now, and he has hung, out, hung back behind, and they lost track of him, and now they've just found him again. In verse number 48, so when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they didn't understand the statement which he spoke to them. And then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God. He was subject to them. There's no evidence whatsoever that Jesus ever did anything that would have hurt them in any way. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Hebrews 4.15 that he was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Never rolled his eyes. Never sat back. None of that stuff. And so there's a lesson to all of the kids and teenagers here. Let's not be the ones. Let's not be the ones who the devil uses to pierce his soul. But I can see the wheels in your minds turning right now and you're sitting there and you're saying, now wait a minute. Here we have Joseph, he's not in the picture, so he's not the one who's causing the pain. And, and Jesus was a perfect child, so he's not the one causing the pain. And so where's all this pain that's piercing her soul coming from? It's got to come from somewhere. And I would suggest the very specific pain that Simeon was prophesied would take place in one place and one place only. And that was at the foot of the cross. At the foot of the cross. Matthew Henry said, when he was abused, it was a sword in her bones. When she stood by his cross and saw him dying, we may, may, we may well think her inward grief was such that it might truly be said a sword pierced through her soul. It cut her to the heart. John chapter 19 says there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. Mary experienced pain as his mother. Pain that pierced her very soul. Another thought comes to my mind, though. Not only did Mary experience pain, but Mary experienced pain that could have been avoided. It was pain that could have been avoided. Could it not have been? Let's go back in time just a little bit. One page back in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. And I'll show you where it all started. Could have been avoided. Luke chapter 1, verse number 26. says, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. 
And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservants of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Did you get that last part? Behold, the maidservants of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. You know, Mary could have avoided all the pain. She could have avoided it all. All she had to say was, wait a minute now. <laughs> the social cost is going to be pretty high here when I go walking around pregnant and I'm not married. I think I'll pass on that. She could have avoided the pain. She could have said, you know, I can't do that to Joseph. I love Joseph. I can't do that to him. I think I'll let somebody else be the mother of the Savior. I think not. She could have come up with any number of excuses why not to say yes. She could have so easily said no to the call of God on her life. And that would have saved her the pain of the cross. But she did not. It was a pain that could have been avoided, but she didn't say no. She said yes. And therefore, so it pierced her soul. So Mary experienced pain. Mary experienced pain that could have been avoided. And finally, let me mention this point. Mary, Mary's pain was well worth it. Mary's pain was well worth it. You know, hearing his shout, the crowd shout, crucify him. That must have been excruciating. Ladies, imagine. I mean, I try to imagine, but the mothers here, imagine what that must have been. Watching as Pilate delivered him up to their evil intent. Must have just broken her heart. Following along in the crowd as he struggled along the Via Dolorosa and watching him stumble and fall and bear that cross. I cannot fathom what that must have felt like to his mother. Standing helpless and mute at the foot of the cross. <laughs> watching her beloved son, whom she knew could have at any moment stopped. Give his life. Lay it down. Slump forward on the cross in death. I know at that moment she knew exactly what Simeon meant about a sword piercing her soul. All that pain had to be terrible. Had to be terrible. But, now think about this, but it was because of that pain that Mary also was able to experience resurrection. It was because of that pain that she also was able to experience seeing him alive again after that. She no doubt joined in the wonder of the other disciples as they, as they rejoiced to see him alive for the days that he was on this earth. As, as she experienced the birth of the church, she got to be in on the ground floor of the greatest thing that has ever happened on the face of this earth. And it was because of that pain. The last place we see Mary is in Acts chapter 1, verse number 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. After the pain, she saw the glory. 
She experienced the day of Pentecost. She saw, or at least heard about, 3,000 people being saved in one day. She no doubt watched in amazement and wonder as the church, a direct result of what had caused her so much pain, pain spread like a sweeping wildfire across Jerusalem and Judea. She got to see all that because of the pain. I believe that if you were to ask Mary, she would say it was well worth it. I believe she would say, I didn't even remember the pain. Once I saw the glory, once I saw him alive, once again, the sword had pierced her soul, but the result had been glorious and wonderful. So let's make some applications from this. Just, just a couple. We've only got a couple minutes left. But let's make just a few applications in closing. One of them would obviously be this, and I've been touching on this all throughout. Motherhood is, is a hard thing. It's a hard thing. But it is so worth it. I think that's one of the lessons here. Motherhood is hard, but so worth it. Moms, we, we on Mother's Day wish to honor you. We wish to say blessings upon you. We wish to honor mothers today, and we do so recognizing full well what a difficult and astonishingly hard task it is to be a mother. But we do so also knowing that there, there may be times when you feel, as Mary did, that your very soul is pierced. We, we know that. But we not only want to honor you, we want to encourage you today to never give it up. We need mothers. We need mothers in this country. We need mothers in this world. And so motherhood may be hard, but it's so worth it. That's, that's one observation. But I want to step back in closing and make an observation or an application that's a little broader, a little more general. And that would be this. Serving Christ may be hard, but it's worth it. Serving Christ may be hard, but it's worth it. You know, Mary's story does have specific general, uh, application to, to motherhood. I know that. But do you see that it also has a broader application? It also applies to all of us. After all, what Mary was asked to do was, at least on one level, no different than what we're asked to do. Serve God. She was called to a particular task. So are we. All of us have a responsibility to serve God. And the fact is, serving God is hard. Serving God is hard. Jesus said one time in John chapter 16, he said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be a good cheer, I've overcome the world. Jesus said it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and you know. So we told you before, serving God's going to be hard. And you've experienced it since. It's going to be hard. Acts chapter 14, we read about one of the missionary journeys and we read about the Apostle Paul and his group going around. And it says that they were confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. It's going to be hard. Serving God is hard. And I, I don't know if you're noticing or not, but we have seen first-hand evidence of that in our little church here. People are being saved here. God's doing good things here. We're in the baptismal service in just a couple of weeks where two more new believers, Lord willing, will uh, follow the Lord in believers' baptism. In the last five years, we have seen attendance increase here ten times. Ten times. God's working in the lives of men and women and children in this place. People are growing in their relationships. It's a wonderful thing with Him. And you know, or a wonderful thing to see, but you know what? Our adversary, the devil, hates it hates it and is fighting 
tooth and nail against it. Just ask any of the wonderful servants of God in this place who have dared to stick their head up and say, I will serve. Ask what has happened. Anybody who stuck their neck out for God in this place. It's almost astonishing to watch how difficult it has been. Ask what happened when they said, Here am I, Lord, I'll do it, Lord. Ask what happened when they, like Mary, said, Behold, the servant of God, I'll do it, I'll do it. Be it unto me, according to your word. I believe that to a man, to a woman, they confirm it has not been easy, and sometimes it has been hard. And now I can see the looks on your faces. You're all looking at me and you're saying, Preacher, are you out of your head? Who in the world would want to be a Christian? Who in the world would want any part of this? You've got to sit here and tell us it's going to be that hard. Who in the world would want to stand up and serve in this place if everybody who does is going to go through difficulty? And I would answer by asking another question. Why did Mary say, be it unto me according to thy word? Why would Mary be willing to do it? Why would she be willing to say yes to God? The same reason that we need to be willing to say yes to God. Because the glory that awaits will make the pain seem like nothing. That's why. This past week, an amazing thing happened in our world. Perhaps you might have heard about it. It seems that over the night sky in Pakistan, an amazing thing took place. It seems that there was a group of U.S. Navy SEALs who went slinking across the sky in stealth helicopters until they hovered quietly over a three-story compound housing Osama bin Laden. It seems that this group of Navy SEALs dropped down out of those helicopters on zip lines onto the teeth with all kinds of weaponry and high-tech gear. It seems that in a period of about ten minutes, they walked through there and eradicated from the face of this earth one of the most terrible terrorists the world has ever known. You know, every one of those men will spend the rest of their lives knowing that they accomplished something that no one else was able to do. Every one of those men will spend the rest of their lives knowing that they did something great and spectacular and meaningful. Every one of those men will go down in history as being heroes. But you know what? Every one of those men paid a terrible price before they could experience that. All of them went through years of hardship and training that, frankly, I would not make ten seconds of. And probably no one else here would either. They watched as man after man washed out of the program because it was simply too hard. They watched as, and they endured the pain of a training regimen that was designed to break them and designed to weed out all but this select handful of men who would be the very best in the world. And if they had not endured that pain, they would never have lived through the glory of this past week. Church, let us say yes to God. Whether I'm talking to mothers or fathers or children or teenagers, let us say yes to God. I wonder, have you ever knelt before God and said, Lord, whatever you want, Lord, I will do it. It will change your life. Say it. Wherever you want me to go, Lord, I will go. It will change your life. Say it. If the sword must pierce my soul, then let it come. Because the glory that awaits will make it all worthwhile. Paul 
said in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 18, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Oft times, the day seems long. Our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur, and despair. But Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away. All tears forever over in God's eternal day. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face. All sorrow, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Father, we thank you so much for Mary. What a wonderful, wonderful woman she must have been. What an example to every lady in this place, to every mother in this room. But Lord, her example goes far beyond just motherhood. She's an example of a servant of God that we all need to emulate. Lord God, may we be willing, even if a sword is to pierce our soul, may we be willing to say yes to you. I don't know the needs of these, your people here today, but there may be some here today who need to say that. There may be some here today, Lord, who you have been dealing with about serving you. And maybe today they need to say yes. Father, I don't know the hearts of people. I pray, Father, that you work and help. I pray for our mothers today. Lord, there may be some who can relate. Maybe they're going through a hard time. Maybe today they, they feel like a sword has pierced their soul. Maybe today they're hurting, <coughs> struggling, and it's hard. Lord, would you help and encourage and strengthen them? Would you be with their families? Would you help their husbands and their, and their children and their friends and others to uphold them and help them and encourage them? Most of all, would you do that? Father, I pray for our mothers. And I just pray for each person here that you work. As we go into this time of invitation, Lord, I don't know what else to pray for. I just pray that you would work as only you can, and I pray that you'd make, help us to make the decisions we should make. Most of all, Lord, help us just simply to say yes. Whatever it is you're asking of us, help us to say yes. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.